Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. For the first time ever, all the most romantic soul hits are together in one collection. Time Life Music presents Classic Soul Ballads. You found the Playmakers on CBS Sports Radio 1140. There it is for you. Peaches and herb. I'm feeling festive. Are you? I am. You should be. I'm I am. That is legit. Like late night TV. Like Oh yeah. That it's, is that it's is two oh three AM. Yep, and it's there's thirty minutes of that. Correct. It's literally like a thirty minute show of them playing all these songs and telling you that at the end I will sell you a three disc set or a six disc set of the greatest hits of what all of that could be yours for just three easy payments Love, of twenty nine no, no, ninety five. Five easy payments. Oh, sorry, five. Yeah. You're right. You're Love right. Love jams. The shipping and handling is like nine bucks. Mm-hmm. Three to five. And if you don't like it within thirty days, you can return it absolutely free. Right. <laughs> Get your full money back. But we guarantee that you'll love this, and it'll keep you. Yeah. Yeah. That is the stuff. Yeah. It's Peaches a- and herbs. See, when you start singing "Reunited," we'll just bring that noise out like mm-hmm. right now. Right on. That's some old school jams. Absolutely. Some baby making music. Okay. All right. That's a different that's a different turn. <laughs> that is a turn. Right on. Hey, uh, we haven't talked to this guy in quite a while. Uh and, and we weren't quite sure that he was alive to be honest, but uh apparently he is and he still uh writes about sports and talks about sports for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Ben Goats joining us. Ben, thanks for coming back, man. No problem. I'm happy to let you guys know that I'm alive, I'm functioning, I'm well, as well as anyone can be right now and it's good to be talking to you guys again. Yeah, Benny, I'm really glad to hear your voice, my friend. And yeah, there is a lot going on in the world today, especially because we've heard uh, several reports uh, about positive COVID-19 tests across the sports world. But that includes the NHL uh, as players from the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Arizona Coyotes. And uh, later is released that Austin Matthews uh, have all tested positive for COVID-19. So, Ben, where does the NHL go from here? Yeah, well, that's a fascinating question Lindsay and it's obviously just coinciding with a lot of stuff that's just happening in the country right now like Florida is having a huge spike in positive tests not just obviously among NHL players but among people so sadly it kind of makes sense if the lightning are out in Florida that some of them might be exposed to people that have it same with Austin Matthews who is of course from Arizona is currently in Arizona uh, which is of course Nevada's next door neighbor their tests are going through the roof, not quite as bad as Nevada's, which are also spiking, but Nevada's spikes are not nearly as high as Arizona's right now. So it makes sense that, you know, players are getting affected right now. It's obviously not great news for the league. They, I'm sure, still have internal optimism that once they get, you know, rigorous testing in place for these guys, because keep in mind, Austin Matthews is obviously not with his team, the Toronto Maple Leafs because of the border restrictions and it would be very hard for him to get to Toronto right now, but he's not undergoing kind of all this phase two stuff, which involves, you know, twice weekly testing temperature checks before you go to the rink and all that, because he's not with his NHL team. So I'm sure the NHL thought is probably still, Hey, once we get these guys kind of all 
under our umbrella. We'll be able to take care of this. And if we have positive tests, well, that'll be okay. We can quick isolate these guys, get them healthy before we actually get to training camps, which are still a ways away on July 10th. And then hopefully we'll keep these guys kind of, you know, wrapped up in bubble wrap as much as we can throughout training camp. And then, of course, when they eventually try to move to hub cities to play actual games. But, I mean, this is definitely a reminder that no matter how much the NHL wants to be in control of all these situations, the virus is really in control. And that's obviously the scary thing still for not just the NHL, not just sports, but still kind of everyday life. For sure. Uh, ben Goetz joining us from the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal. Covers the Golden Knights when they're in season. Certainly looking forward to getting back uh, back on the beat a little bit harder as the NHL starts talking about hub cities. Canada kind of giving uh, the NHL the green light to consider their three hub cities as well. And prior to that, basically, it had been a lot of talk about Las Vegas obviously being a front runner for a hub as well as Columbus, Ohio. But the focus is on Canada because it becomes a little bit more. Let's talk about the economics first of all. It would be cost effective. The Canadian dollar less than the U.S. dollar, so the NHL is going to save some money there. It would also placate to the fans there, so what do you think the odds are that one of the hub cities say is here, let's just call it automatic for Las Vegas, but the other one would be in Canada? Yeah, I think I would put relatively good odds on that. I mean, Toronto to me makes a ton of sense if they're able to obviously do it safely there, just because you're in a different time zone than Las Vegas, so theoretically you could space the games out all throughout the day where you have, you know, back-to-back or as close as back-to-back as you can do in Toronto, and then that still maybe gives you a buffer window to then do a later back-to-back in Las Vegas, and you can have just wall-to-wall hockey because there's obviously very little else uh, in terms of live sports on right now besides European soccer, which I've been forced to get very into to placate my sports appetites. So that would make a lot of sense to me. Chicago, I think, has kind of become a dark horse you know in recent days just because you would get that same effect of having a you know non uh, west coast time zone so you could spread the games out a little more but i think there's also still a chance that you know la could get involved too and that it could be a las vegas and la situation just because those are two places where i think guys would mind the least being quarantined for two plus months because that's key too is the nhl wants to at least try to think about guys' sanities because we're talking about staying in a hotel for two-plus months. So obviously here in Las Vegas, well, staying in a hotel doesn't necessarily mean you get to just stay in your room all day. There's restaurants, there's places you can explore even in these giant hotels. And the thought is that if you have them in L.A., maybe you can create a similar setup to around the L.A. Live area and give these guys at least a little bit of freedom, but I think ultimately, for all the reasons you mentioned, Toronto would still be kind of that second hub favorite right now. Oh, Ben, there's a lot up in the air, but I want to talk about the actual hockey that we're all working towards and just sports, that the actual games that are played. But given there's a, a season resumation and everything stays on schedule, VGK is all healed up. Mark Stone is back healthy. Max Pacioretty is back healthy. So is Chandler Stevenson. Uh, they're in the top four teams in the Western Conference. So the, the qualifying round, they're not going to be privy to being eliminated. They'll be playing the amongst the, those top four teams. Where do you think they stack up comparatively to the Blues Avalanche and, and Stars uh, in terms terms of those top four teams in the Western Conference? Yeah, well, it's going to be really hard to kind of measure all of this, right? Not just because a lot of it's going to just come down to the simple fact of, okay, who's flying right out of the gate? Because 
you might think that, hey, when everything shut down, the Knights, you know, had a less points percentage than the Blues and the Avalanche, so they're third best. But maybe the Knights just get their legs back faster than those guys, and they're able to kind of run over them early on and grab that higher seed. Or maybe, obviously, the opposite could happen. The other big X factor that you already kind of touched on there is health. We haven't seen these teams play against each other healthy, basically, ever this season. Vladimir Tarasenko, who, of course, is just one of the top forwards to the Blues team, has been out almost the entire year. He never played uh, the Golden Knights this year that I can remember. And so getting him back in the lineup would be absolutely huge for that Blues squad and give them a look that the Knights certainly haven't seen this year. And same for the Avalanche, who have just been banged up and banged up all year with guys like Gabriel Landeskog kind of going in and out of the lineup. And so if they're healthy too, that's an Avalanche team that the Knights haven't seen yet. So I certainly think the Knights deserve to be kind of the third seed heading into the tournament. I think I would put them as the third best team in the Western Conference. But, you know, you just have no idea how these teams are going to react to that super long layoff and how they're going to be able to kind of stack their lineups now that for the first time probably all these coaches can remember, there's everyone available to start a playoff series. Usually the regular season is such a war of attrition, as it were, but now all of a sudden guys are going to be fresh. Ben Coates, the Las Vegas Review-Journal, writes a lot of sports for them and is uh, scratching his itch with European soccer just to get the sports fix. Benny, Lindsay and I hashed this out uh, a week or so ago once we learned uh, the round-robin format was going to be put into play and the and the Knights would kind of get the automatic seed into the playoffs. The fact that we have two goalies, and it's Marc-Andre Fleury's team, there's no doubt about it, but they have Robin Leonard. Do we see yourself, and put your analyst hat on for, the, for, for this one moment here, do we see a back-and-forth rotation between the two goalies and whoever emerges from round robin is and whoever's the hotter hand gets the nod to open up the first playoff series or really is this mark andre Fleury's team and it's just a matter of keeping flower healthy for the playoff run so i think you there you can have two separate ideas in your head at the same time when you're talking about that i absolutely think that the knights are probably going to rotate mark andre Fleury and robin leonard to start out, they're going to be two exhibition games, I believe, is the plan right now. And then, of course, those three round-robin games that can affect their seeding, but, of course, won't get them eliminated. So I wouldn't be shocked if out of those five games, Fleury starts three and Leonard starts two, for example. Now, if Fleury is good in those three games and Leonard is lights out, do I expect that to all of a sudden kick the advantage over to Leonard? Probably not. Leonard has a lot of ground to make up, I would say, to get that crease just because the locker room, of course, has known Marc-Andre Fleury for three years. They believe in him. He's their guy. I think it would take a lot for Leonard, who only made you know just a handful of starts for the Knights before the season shut down, to overtake him just in the buildup. But it is going to present a fascinating conundrum for Pete DeBoer kind of throughout the entire postseason, because if he does go with Flurry, he's got kind of, you know, an ace in the hole in his back pocket. And if and when he chooses to play that could drastically affect how the night's postseason goes. I mean, it's no, I think, surprise to everyone that typically teams don't rotate goalies during the playoffs. I was actually doing the math uh, a little bit earlier here today for potentially a future story. I mean, it's 92 percent of the minutes go to number one goalies in the playoffs i mean there is no split there is no rotation it is you have your guy and you ride him out to kind of you know victory or defeat 
So I would anticipate the Knights leaning toward Marc-Andre Fleury in that equation, and maybe at some point Peter DeBoer switches to Robin Leonard for a different look, but I don't expect that they're going to go back and forth between those two guys. That's just not how it's typically done in the NHL, and I don't think that it's necessarily good for either guy to have their kind of confidence shaken up that way. Now, we were talking a little bit about that round-robin round as well as those qualifying teams. But once we get past those, uh, a, a more familiar uh, format really emerges for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it kind of goes to what we usually expect to see in the spring. It's just different uh, time of year. But you have the Oilers, the Predators, the, the Canucks, Flames, Jets, the Wild, the Coyotes, and the Blackhawks. And I know uh, the seeding in the round-robin hasn't been determined. We don't know which teams are going to make it through. But who do you think is a team that the Golden Knights would want to face? out of that qualifying round for that opening official round of the playoffs? Who do you think they match up against the best? No, that's a really good question. I think the Knights have matched up well with a lot of those teams throughout the course of the season. I think when you look at how the Western Conference is kind of delineated right now, I think, as I said earlier, you've got those top three that really kind of stand out about above the rest. Then you've got kind of this middle pack that I would put the, the Stars and the Oilers definitely into. And then kind of the rest of the teams are all kind of in the same pot where they all have flaws, they all have strong points, but none of them are necessarily great teams. So I think if you're the Knights, outside of maybe the Oilers, because, of course, just the incredible top-end talent that Edmonton possesses, I don't think you should be necessarily afraid to face anyone in the rest of the pack. Now, does that mean anyone in the rest of the pack can't beat the Knights? Of course not. I mean, upsets happen all the time in the NHL playoffs. Games come down to just a couple bounces of the puck. I mean, last year, we even saw that every division winner got bounced in the first round. So, of course, the Knights have to be sharp. They have to be on edge no matter who they play. But like I said, outside the Oilers, I don't think there's anyone that should necessarily strike fear into their hearts uh, going into a first-round matchup. Yeah, it's hard for me to disagree with you there. Outside of those top teams, I think the Golden Knights have matched up really well. But, Ben, I I need you to give me one reason why VGK makes a deep runner, maybe all the way to the promised land. And I also need one reason why they won't. So I think the number one reason, of course, is just they are such a deep roster top to bottom in terms of their lineup each night. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of teams say that they like to roll their four forward lines. Well, the Knights actually really do, and they've done so even more with under Coach Pete DeBoer. He has really leaned on that fourth line, including starting them in a bunch of games. So I think that depth is really going to give them an edge in a lot of series. I mean, we see it all the time in the playoffs where a goal by the third or fourth line energizes the team, steals a win on the road or something, and propels them to a deep run in the playoffs. Knights have more guys like that that could potentially provide an unexpected boost than a lot of other teams they're going to face in the playoffs. And I think the same kind of goes for their blue line, too, where I think with the addition of Alec Martinez, they have two really strong pairs that Pete DeBoer is going to feel confident leaning on throughout the course of a series. And a decent third pair, too, where we've got a steady veteran in Nick Holton and then maybe a rookie in Zach Whitecloud who you're not going to trust as much. And then the kind of weak spots that you, of course, have to worry about are, I would say, one, the penalty kill, which was not good at all when the season paused. And so that could become a potential Achilles heel, especially, you know, going back to a team like the Oilers, who have an outstanding power play with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. If that power play gets hot and the Knights' penalty kill isn't up to snuff, well, that can absolutely swing 
a couple games right there. So that's something that the team really needs to iron out. And then the other, of course, X factor that we've already talked about is goaltending. Marc-Andre Fleury has not been at his absolute best, I think everyone can agree on, this season. And he's dealt with a lot of things, both on and off the ice especially, that you could totally understand why that would affect him. But if he's not sharp in the first couple games that they play that matter, that's going to be a huge problem. And if Pete DeBoer ends up having kind of you know, too much of a rotation, if he ends up flip-flopping back and forth between the two goalies because he has two good options, I think, as I said earlier, that could ruin kind of both guys' confidence and doom the team that way, too. So just how that goaltender situation all plays out, along with the penalty kill, are two areas I'm really going to be looking at when the Knights get back to playing to see how they affect the outcome of games. The newest Bundesliga fan and Las Vegas Review-Journal sports scribe Ben Goats here on The Playmakers. Ben, uh... Thanks for coming on, man. It's been uh, it's been a long time. It's been kind of a drought for all of us. And uh, once the uh, Hub Cities get announced, we'll get you back on. No, sounds good. Take care, guys. You too, Benny. Miss you. Miss you too. All right, bye. Uh, Las Vegas Review Journal sports scribe Ben Goats here with the Playmakers. Always good to catch up with him. And uh, European soccer is, a, is definitely a way to scratch the itch. Oh, for sure. Clearly, yeah, some people uh, gravitate a little bit too more more towards sports in their in their uh, free time. But Ben, he's one of those people. Right. More power to him. He didn't quite go marble racing. No. Maybe <laughs> next week. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app, the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams, all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 